Hey listeners, you've heard on the podcast from casting directors and Broadway directors just how vital a well-curated social media presence can be for your career. The Breakdown is proud to be partnering with TSMA Consulting, a globally recognized social media firm that can help you authentically grow your following without using bots, fake followers, or anything like that. I particularly love the welcome packet and the videos they include that help you optimize your account. And wow, did I learn a lot. The TSMA is offering an exclusive discount for our listeners. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with casting directors James Caleri, Erica Jensen, and Paul Davis. Caleri Jensen Davis Casting, formerly Caleri Casting until very recently, have a casting partnership that spans over 20 years. Television credits include Dickinson, The Path, Army Wives, Lipstick Jungle, Hope and Faith, Ed, Monk, and numerous pilots for Netflix, Fox, The CW, NBC, ABC, among many others. Films they have cast have been screened across the country at Sundance, the Cannes Film Festival, and have won dozens of awards. Broadway credits included the upcoming productions of Thoughts of a Colored Man, for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough, and Blue, all opening on Broadway this coming year. Past Broadway credits include Burn This, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, The Elephant Man, Of Mice and Men, Fool for Love, Venus and Fur, 33 Variations, Chicago, A Raisin in the Sun, Huey, James Joyce's The Dead, and The Bright Star National Tour. Additional New York and regional credits include literally everywhere, like Playwrights Horizons, Classic Stage Company, Rattlestick, The Flea, Keen Company, Williamstown Theatre Festival, The Long Wharf, The Cleveland Playhouse, The Actors Theatre of Louisville, Hartford Stage, The Alliance, Center Theatre Group, Humana, The Old Globe, Syracuse Stage, OSF, The Alley Theatre, Berkeley Rep, McCarter Theatre, and dozens more. Listeners, I am so honored to have Kaleri Jensen Davis casting on the podcast. Not only are they one of the busiest, hardest working offices in the city, but they're also one of the few offices which casts a pretty equal portion of film, television, and theater. A theme that kept coming up in our conversation is creating and maintaining relationships in this business. Now, we've heard this before and this can seem simple, but we talk about how casting directors get work and find new projects. And they explain it's really about enjoying your time working with someone, a mutual admiration of work, developing a shorthand, and then that person goes on and gets a fancy job like being a showrunner of a TV show and then hires them as the casting director. If this process sounds familiar, it's because it is. It happens all the the time all over the world, but specifically in our industry. The three go on to discuss how this process is not exclusive to casting. Relationships for actors with casting directors, with directors, and with producers is a big part of longevity in this business. I also love hearing about how they find and meet new actors. It's no surprise that it's everywhere. Auditions, seeing shows, teaching, showcases, but hearing each of them talk about their process and aesthetic is so helpful and really gives us a better understanding of why casting directors are so valued and an integral part of the casting process. One more thing, and it's pretty exciting. Listeners, the podcast is now one year old. That's literally crazy. But thank you so much for joining me on this journey this past year. There are so many more exciting guests and engaging conversations and fun surprises coming up. Help me celebrate by getting the word out about the podcast, tell a friend, share an episode, and of course, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. All of these things are super helpful and will totally mean the world to me and my one-year-old audio child. 
All right, listeners, without further ado, here is my conversation with James Clary, Erica Jensen, and Paul Davis. Erica, Paul, and James, I am so, so happy to be, I'm happy to be talking to you for the podcast, but I'm also just happy to be seeing the three of you and seeing your faces and connecting with some people during this time when we um, only really get to connect with people on the computer screen. And I'm grateful for your time and for you to chat with me today. So thank you so much. It's so nice to see you. (laughs) Nice to see you. Hi. So, you know, I was thinking you know, obviously about what I wanted to talk about today. And I, there's a story that I don't think I've ever told any of you that is a little silly, but also indicative of, I think, where kind of I want this conversation to go and and how I feel about your office and also the three of you. But when I was in grad school in San Diego, I was at this like mixer party for the USD MFAs and the UCSD MFA program. And we were I don't know, just hanging out. And, And as MFA students do, we were talking about the casting directors in New York that we like, or that like, you know, we like going in for, which is, I guess, you know, what we talk about when you're in grad school, all the way in California. But around the circle, so many people would say, oh, I love Clary Casting, or I love the folks at Clary Casting. Like, they're so great. They're so wonderful. They always make me feel welcome. They make me, they're respectful of my time. They don't send me 20 pages of sides for an initial appointment. They do film, television, and theater, and they're so kind. And then, you know, some other casting offices were not dragged, but it's just not, it's not always like that for actors. It's very different. And you guys are beloved by, you know, so many people, but certainly respected by actors. And sometimes we're the lowest people on the totem pole. So to feel like our time is valued in terms of scheduling and and appointments, we are grateful for for you all for being so, so wonderful to us. And uh, people take notice. They are talking in their grad program mixer parties about it. <laughs> That's nice to hear. I, think. I do feel like we're advocates, you know, like I think one of our one of our many roles is being the advocate for the actor. So I think we take that seriously, for sure. Yeah. And it also occurred to me that the three of you also teach, you know, individually, sometimes together. And I think that that also, I think, is is maybe also a part of it, too. Your relationship with actor, your understanding, you know, where we're coming from, what, you know, what we're up against and, and all of that. So I just think that's an awesome component to to what you all do as well. Mm-hmm. We are also performers, you know, the three of us were you know, we performed at, you know, at certain times in our lives. And so I think we all remember what it was like. Yeah, we come from it at perspective as well. So yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's very important. So, you know, the other reason people I think really love your office is, um, I, I love, the, I love the dog in the background. Let's just acknowledge that that's going to be a part of this. And we love, you know, if, if you, if you follow any of these folks on on the social media, you know, that the dogs are such a big part, uh, such a big part of you guys. So I love it. The other reason people I think love to either go in for you all or see you all is because you do so many different things. Your projects are so diversified. You do film and television, you do theater, you do regional theater, interesting off-Broadway stuff, and then big commercial Broadway productions. And is I guess my first question is when you all started this office or started working together, was that what you wanted to do? Is that just, you know, work that came your way? How how important is it for you to diversify the different projects you work on? Just just anything that kind of comes up for you guys about about how you've been able to do that because it's not 
it's it's rare and it's rare that you do so many awesome projects in that arena but yeah just i wanted to know kind of how that happened for me i had started out in another lifetime i'd been a musical theater dancer and my first job in casting was on um, the annie get your gun revival and i loved it and i did that in Chicago for two years as an assistant. And I loved it, but I would call James at Playwrights Horizons and sort of like hear about what it was like to work on a play or, you know, and then when I started working with James and Erica, we did like a dance partner for Shakira and a music video and Fuerza Bruta downtown. And it's nice to be able to sort of like go to the buffet and and work on all different things because they they each have something rewarding and enriching and and it's and it never gets um monotonous mm-hmm. yeah i guess yeah that makes sense go ahead james yeah i was gonna say that you know i i don't think we knew exactly i mean i think you know we all we were at playwrights horizons i had been there for 10 years different kinds of work was coming our way erica and paul were working on some television stuff that was happening and i think when we decided to sort of branch out on our own, we just wanted more freedom. You know, we had other other types of work coming our way. And I, even when I moved to New York, I never imagined I'd be working in television and film. I, I study theater, I love theater, it's what I know. But you know, the television and film stuff was a byproduct of us doing a lot of theater. And so when we decided to branch out, it allowed us to take on you know, different things that were coming our way. And we really like it. I mean, it's been a real, it's been a real gift to have like variety. I don't feel like we ever get bored. Every challenge is really different. And you're right. We are one of the few offices that do all, all those things. Mm-hmm. And I think we've really worked at trying to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you kind of you, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but I am interested in in talking about, you know, you said you started doing television as a by- byproduct of doing theater. I think it's helpful for people to understand and it's a little bit of the mission of the podcast to demystify the business and, you know, how things happen. But how, you know, how do casting directors get work? How do you go about procuring work? I think if as actors or if anyone, you know, er- early career directors or if we can kind of understand that you all are also, you know, looking for work that we can understand, well, if I come into the audition room and I'm doing good work, that's why it makes all of us look good. And that's why people always say casting directors are always rooting for you. But I think if we understand maybe why they're rooting for us, it it can be a little bit easier. So maybe, and I know it's different for every project, but maybe generally, or maybe a specific example of like how work comes to you, how you get work, generally how that process works for, for casting directors, but your office specifically. Yeah, well, some of our TV jobs we we got because, you know, uh, we worked with a playwright. You know, we had worked with a playwright who then became a showrunner on it, you know, who, st- who created a TV show. That's so relationships are, you know, how we get work very similarly to how a lot of people in the industry get work. Um, our current show, Dickinson, for example, it's it's a little bit peripheral, but like it just so happens that Elena Smith um, wrote a play um, for the Summer Play Festival many, many, many years ago when the Summer Play Festival existed that we cast. And then it just so happened that our TV show, The Path, was also done by a, a woman who 
was a playwright who we worked with um, and we got that job and the line producer on that job, we worked really well with her. And then she became the line producer on um, Dickinson. And when they needed a casting director, we moved to, to we, we are now working on Dickinson. And again, um, the creator of that show is somebody that we cast a play for, Elena Smith, we cast a play for her. And we got to cast, James and Erica cast Gabe Ebert right out of school in that summer play festival play. And he just booked a recurring guest star this season on our show. And it was, it was sort of like, you know, circling back to James talking about being advocates, because when you're an actor doing the summer play festival, you're not doing it for the paycheck. And um, so it's sort of nice years later to pay it back with, you know, a, a, a nice TV gig. And, and also that's a testament to, actors forging relationships too you know i think elena was just out of grad school at yale and gabe was just out of school and and she remembered him and wanted to see him for this role and he booked it so that stuff is like you know we just celebrate that Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is ultimately relationships. I mean, it's it's really about that. And I know it's sort of like it feels like very um, like it, you, you, we've heard that a million times, but it's absolutely true, you know. And so when you work with somebody and you develop a shorthand and you develop their sense of style and their sense of taste and actors, it's an easier way of forging, you know, forging on. I think about Walter Bobby, who you know, right? Which we did Chicago with, and we did Venus and Fur, and we did New Jerusalem, and 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 various David Ives plays with him downtown, and then went on to do, you know, some work with on Bright Star for him. And so you you just sort of have a very clear understanding of what those creative people take to, what type of actors they respond to. And so oftentimes it comes back around like that. Mm-hmm. And currently we're working with a producer, um, Brian Moreland, on um, Thoughts of a Colored Man, which, you know, we started working on that with him like at least two or three years now. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And it'll, and now and, you know, it'll be the first play that goes to Broadway um, when we open back up. And, you know, we're, we're going to be working on other projects with him now. You know, he has other things that he that he's working on and we have a really good relationship with him. We've learned how he works and, you know, he we, we all we like each other. We have similar taste. And it's like so we're going to be working on, you know, other shows with him. Yeah. I mean, it's we we hear that sometimes, but I think until we hear it from people like yourselves, it really helps it sink in for us that it's happening. You know, it's that way for directors getting hired by producers and, and actors being hired by other directors and being brought in, like you just talked about, KB, for, for casting directors. So it is, so it is so important. And like you said, Erica, it's also about like, who do you just like to be with? Who do you like to hang out with? If you're in appointments all day, in the before times when people were in appointments all day together, you know, you're hanging out with that person and those people. So it's, I imagine that that's also a very important part of it too, is just getting along with the person. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm most excited about and so excited to talk to you guys about today and kind of the timing and everything is your I'm calling it maybe a rebranding or a name change that is happening. You are formerly Clary Casting. You are now Clary Jensen Davis Casting. I think that's super exciting. And I just, I'm excited about it. And and I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about that, maybe the decisions behind it and, and what you're um, excited about and how that's going to function moving forward. It, it, it doesn't seem to me like maybe anything is going to change in terms of the work you all do. But maybe, I, I don't know, just wondering kind of the thoughts about that. I, I think you're accurate. I mean, we're what I love about working with 
James and Erica is that we work together first and foremost as friends. And when we when we left Playwrights Horizons, when James left and we started the office, you know, we were running payroll out of James's personal checking account. Like we weren't <laughs> business owners. And so over the years we sort of figured it out and our accountant was like, you can't do that. And um and and we just sort of evolved into an equal partnership and have been operating that way for many years. And and frankly, I discussed changing the name and then I think sort of the inertia of, you know, things were working and we were super busy. We we never sort of followed through and and the shutdown gave us a breath to sort of reassess. And I feel like I've been talking a lot, so I'll pass the microphone to my partners. But um that's like that. <laughs> it's okay. We love to hear you speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just we had time, you know, we had time to focus and time to sort of think about like what we really wanted to do. And, you know, I mean, I think we were all like everybody really nervous about what was going to happen when when COVID hit, we were in the middle of lots of projects. And then we didn't and we didn't know what to do. James and Paul went to their houses upstate, which is where they've been since March. You know, I don't we we didn't know what was what we were going to do. And then, you know, we thought about it and decided we would forge ahead and try to, you know, and rebrand. And as Paul said, we, we had talked about it at one point, you know, a, a, a long time ago, changing the name. And then this just felt like really good timing to really think about what we wanted and how we, you know, and how we wanted to re-enter the world. And uh, we've been really fortunate in that we've had jobs that have, you know, sustained us a little bit. Um, and as you mentioned, Robbie, we all teach. So that's also helped. But yeah, that's, I, I get, yeah, that's how it, how it all came to be. It's so, it's exciting for me, especially as someone who knows your office and knows you three, but also has gone in for you. You know, when I get a, an appointment from, when I got appointments from Calary Casting, I always knew, oh, it's not just going to be I think maybe some actors would think, oh, it's going to be James Clary in the in the room. But I knew the three of you are equal partners, so it was always kind of a roulette wheel. Like, who am I going to, you know, who, who's going to be there today? And it was always it was always fun because I knew there was a thirty three percent chance, you know, that it was going to be one of you. So it's um, I just feel like it's maybe a little bit more accurate now as to what maybe the work has been has been going on for for a while there. So I think it's really cool. Love the new pictures. Love the new logo. Thank you. <laughs> All looks very good. Shout out to Ted Eli, who took our pictures and we love them and had such a good time with him. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's important. So I would be remiss if I had the three of you on a, I was going to say Zoom call. This is not a Zoom call. Shout out to Squadcast. If I had you all and, you know, actors are in a vacuum right now. We are in our apartments. I just finished making a self-tape. I, you know, people want to hear about self-tapes. It's what we're doing right now. We are doing kind of a lot of it. There's a lot of television production casting happening right now. So, and and I think all of you are probably watching more self-tapes right now than you ever thought you would be watching. And I just wonder, you know, if anything has changed for you about the way you look at self-tapes or if anything, because in the past year, if, if anything has occurred to you about what actors are doing that are helpful, what what is not helpful, maybe what's coming back from creatives, like what what actors, producers, and directors are going for, if there's any correlation between what's happening in those self-tapes. We're just all making a lot of them and taking a lot of time and energy to make a lot of them and want to do them to the best of our ability. And if anything's changing in that in that landscape with, with self-tapes. 
I mean, I guess I, I would say the plus side of it is it, it, from the casting director's point of view, we're seeing a lot more people, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't have the time constraint of, oh, we have three hours with this creative team to see this amount of actors at Pearl Studios, right? We are now in a position to ask for a lot more tape and be able to peruse that tape in an efficient way and um, make decisions as such. So I feel like there's been a real benefit, at least for us, in in how we've been working. I also, uh, early on, or mid, I, I don't know, who knows when in the pandemic, but there was a point where the casting community sort of nationwide zoomed together and talked about self-tapes. And it was actually really lovely to hear, like there were some really, you know, it was a full range of, of casting directors on both coasts and in between. and it was so lovely to hear them just sort of acknowledging like we're not being snarky about backdrops or lighting. If we can see the color of the actor's eyes and we can hear their voice. Great. You know, you don't need to put yourself at risk by being in a room with a reader. You can, you know, zoom someone in. They, it, it felt like everyone was in the same boat and there was um, a really sort of like refreshing humanity across the board about it. And, you know, like Robbie, you were talking about earlier about who you'd like to see. And I'm the guy that even though I'm of a certain age now and and my name's on the office door with my partners, I still love to like check the actors in the hall just because I'm a chatty Kathy. And so like <laughs> I, I really miss that. But at the same token, they're like the interface allows us, even though we're in our different homes watching the tapes at different times we can leave notes for one another and like sometimes it'll be sort of like yes no maybe what do you guys think is this too big is this too small and so it feels like amazingly you're still really collaborating it's like being in the room with james or erica and like scribbling a note on your session sheet and asking them a question just in sort of a different format and so in in some ways it's it's been really heartening Mm -hmm. yeah and i do think actors are maybe overthinking the amount of like the backdrop and the lighting and uh, and I, I case in point we had an actress i think it was <laughs> the first season of dickinson i swear to god it maybe looked like she had <laughs> her, her video in the the hole that the girl gets thrown into on silence of the lamb <laughs> the lighting was of such the angle was of such it was a terrible it was video. like vertical on an iphone you know yeah, it was like- there's- there was nothing good about what to do on a on a self tape with this actress, and yet she was talented. The showrunner picked her, and and there was a never discussion about where she was shooting that tape. Mm-hmm. They liked her; it showed her off well enough, and they picked her. Now, I'm not advocating that everyone should go dig in a hole and shoot their video, but I'm <laughs> saying I don't think it's. I think actors give it more importance than maybe it needs to have. Yeah, I never hear anybody, I have not heard about self-tapes. I've never heard anything from any of the creative teams we're working with where they're like, oh, they need to sh- they need to shoot that again. It's never about that. It's always about the acting. It's never about the technical stuff, you know. Um, I think, again, as Paul said, you know, we just, if we can see you and we can hear you. Um, I like the specificity of seeing the color of your eyes. I thought that was super useful because actors do want that kind of guidance. I know they want some clarity. I think that's that's such a great, clear direction to give. But at the end of the day, you know, we just had like theater auditions for Hudson Valley Shakespeare and 
no one on our team like said anything about the quality of the tapes. There, that wasn't there. There was there wasn't a word spoken about it. So mm-hmm. I, w- I was talking to an actor friend the other day, and she tends to have a little like OCD like symptoms. And I thought it was interesting because she was talking about back in the day when you'd get called in and you'd go in on tape, and ma- maximum maybe you'd get two takes in the room, and and you would leave. And she finds that her instinct is, you know, if she doesn't keep herself in check, she'll spend seven hours trying to refine the perfect take and i think you know uh an audition is is sort of like a first draft and you can allow yourself to have some rough edges if if you're sort of like landing the beats and varying your tactics and doing your job but maybe not work perfect like there there's room for for rough edges and so like i think uh actors should be careful to keep their inner perfectionist at bay so that you're not sacrificing your whole day to get sort of like the perfect take yeah i mean (laughs) i think i run personally run the gamut from like can get really intense about something especially when you're watching yourself that's a whole other thing you know you can get very obsessed with the details and it's it get it can be pretty difficult so and but then also sometimes i look back at the first takes that i do after like an hour and i'm like i end up sending the first take because that was the most like actually organic and i wasn't manufacturing anything mm-hmm. um so i i think that's interesting you know zoom auditions have i've started to like those have popped up a little bit more frequently lately and and I've and I think I probably would have said, oh, I don't want to do that. But there is some sort of like freedom to it. It almost feels like going in the room where like you have two takes, you know, and they'll maybe give you an adjustment, but you really don't, you know, you have control over your light and your angle and you know all those things. But you know, it just gets sent right in. But but that also can kind of also be difficult doing doing Zoom auditions as well. So we've been doing quite a bit of Zoom auditions. I mean, you, typically the Zoom stuff is the callback point mm-hmm. where you know, we know we're interested and and then we do a session where people are, are literally the same thing in the waiting room, coming in one at a time. So it does feel very similar to the experience. And mm-hmm. we, had, we had our intern, you know, monitoring remotely and messaging the, the waiting room and telling people who was on deck. And, and then it was refreshing to see that uh, um, directors just spoke to actors the way directors speak to actors, you know, about the the scene and it, it was really um it was it was fun to realize like oh this this actually works and also sort of is in um you know in before times where you were trying to figure out calendar days that worked for everybody in terms of their availability and geography you realize that going forward a zoom callback could be an option if a director is like teching a show in another city and unable to join and and mm-hmm. so in some ways you know of course we're all yearning to get back into real face-to-face contact with each other but um in the meantime it's it's lovely that it's it's working as well as it is (laughs) yeah i I think that's kind of the feeling is like we all can't wait to get back into the room from other folks that i've been talking to but there is something about there's a part of this that's here to stay a little bit i think maybe directors will be more apt to cast people off of tapes or feel more comfortable even though they haven't met them or maybe they'll meet them on a zoom now um it, it just feels like maybe there'll be more access to being cast like you said not just if you can come in on that day you know in the room in new york city which i guess you know only time will tell how, how that's going to happen i'm just curious when you say zoom callbacks do you mean for some of the theater stuff you've been auditioning for or 
because not really for television unless you're maybe testing or something. We did. Yeah. I was saying we did do it for television. We actually had five actors who had never met before all on a Zoom at once. So basically doing scene work together on Zoom. That was a callback situation. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does, it is happening. And that was television stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And then we had the callbacks for, like I said, the Hudson Valley Shakespeare. We had Zoom callbacks. It also, the benefit also, it eliminates the travel. Like you don't have to get on the subway. You're just like in your house. And, like, and, if, you're like, and if you're going, and if you're behind schedule as we were, mm-hmm. you're at least you're like somewhere comfortable probably, you know, where you can, you know, hang out. And yeah, so there's, there's a few little benefits, I think. Uh, more benefits, some benefits, you know, to the Zoom. Also like, with the TV stuff, it feels like it's, um, you know, we used to feel a little guilty, like on a hot summer day, calling actors in to read a one-line co-star role on a TV show. You're like, oh, you just got on the subway. You're, you're drenched in sweat. And thank you for giving us that one line twice. You know, and, and, and so I think there's a world where we might be able to transition to a self-tape, you know, a hybrid model where, where it feels like you're honoring the actor's time. And it feels like we don't cast commercials, but actors I knew who are auditioning for, for commercials seem to vastly prefer it because it seems like the waiting times in studios was really long with actors and it feels kinder to their schedules now. Well, do you remember Lilius White having to schlep herself out to like Brooklyn? And and we it was that kind of thing. Like we had to do all these auditions for a TV show out in, I don't know, God knows where we were, Long Island, somewhere. To yeah. me, it far. And the actors had to, you know, take the subway, get on a shuttle bus, get to the studios, and then they might have like four lines. And, and you just felt like as, you know, of course we're excited to have opportunity for the actors, but we also felt we was like, oh, Lilius White's not going to be having this, you know? <laughs> and just as a side story, so James and Erica cast Hope and Faith for ABC and it was super fun. And I would tag along and like monitor the auditions. And I had seen <laughs> The Life like 17 times because I was a huge fan of that show. <laughs> and I had a friend who worked at Spotco and got a lot of free tickets. And um, so I was like, I checked Lilius White in and I reported to James and Erica that she was there. And then it was like her turn at deck and she had disappeared. And what I hadn't realized, it was like a fortune teller role. And so she had gone into the restroom and she was like putting on a wig and a turban and a wrap. And I was like, you know, the, I'm nervous by nature. So I was like, where did Lilius White go? I told them she's next. And then like James Jack were like, is Lilius coming? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but she did and it was great. <laughs> oh, God. Love oh, that. Right. Love that. I mean, I could spend I could spend more time talking about TV and self tapes and kind of where we are right now. But I also want this to be helpful because I feel like we're gonna we are, we are moving past this and we will get back to to where we to not where we were, but you know where we're going. And like you said, Paul, some sort of hybrid model. And something that I did want to touch on today because I just think it's interesting in talking about the the you know the casting director's artistic process and kind of how you all work. And something that people have been reaching out to me and asking me to you know to, to maybe talk about with casting directors is how you all and I'm sure maybe you all do this differently or collaborate. But um, how, how do you make your list of actors that are going to come in for a role, you know, say this is the before times, you know, but um, not, you know, pre COVID and, or maybe after COVID, but um, 
and, and maybe let's talk more, more theater because we were just talking about television. You know, I know it's probably a mix of, you know, after you have meetings with the playwright or director, it's, you know, people, actors, you know, or you've cast before, or you just saw on a show. And then it's, you know, act, agents are sending in submissions and there's pushes and phone calls. And, but I mean, maybe like what percentage is, is which, how you kind of make that work, how you all collaborate on that to then come up with, you know, X amount of actors. And, and maybe you could say the number, like for a play, it would be 15 actors or 20 actors or whatever to then come in for the creative, the creative team. And maybe pre-screens are a part of that. So that's a large question, but if you can kind of um, understand kind of where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a real secret to it. And we probably all do have a different process, but a lot of it is, is just in the head. I mean, you read something, you imagine people in it, mm-hmm. but I think in general, we, I think we as a team tend to fall in love with actors. And when you fall in love with an actor, you just then want to figure out how to get them work. Right. And so I always sort of equate it to like pulling the slot machine. You you bring actors in, eventually a really good actor is going to hit on the right project, the right, it's just going to be the perfect synergy where they're going to land into something, right? And so we have actors we just are huge fans of that we want to get jobs for. That oftentimes is a, is a big part of it, I think. Um, I don't know, Erica, Paul, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. Like we have people that we get excited about and want to find work for them. You know, we also try to collaborate, you know, with agents and managers um, to, hear, you know, to hear their ideas. We talk a lot. We, yeah. Uh, what else? What else, Paul? Well, I'm curious, you know, how, maybe where are you finding the actors you fall in love with? I mean, where, you know, maybe it's everywhere. Maybe you saw a show or how are you finding, maybe how do you find new actors too? Is that probably everywhere, but maybe there's a, Maybe there's a little bit of an answer there. I think, well, yeah, uh, school, you know, programs, schools, their programs where we, we, you know, we go to showcases and, and um, pay attention there. You know, if uh, we try to like see shows um, at the schools when, you know, when the actors are studying at schools, TV, you know, we watch a lot of television, you know, like we get excited about somebody that we saw on TV and, and yeah, and see, we see a lot of plays, you know, we go to a lot of theater and, you know, something that somebody recommends, like, you know, somebody wrote a new play at the Atlantic, we're going to go and see that and, and see probably some actors that we, that we're not familiar with because it's a new play. And because, you know, um, you know, there just might be people that we are not as familiar with, you know, we're, we're always looking at cast lists, you know, to see like, who are we not familiar with that's in this play? And we keep seeing like, you know, this person's getting cast in a lot of things. Let's go and see this show that they're in. Um, let's pay we attention. Also, yeah, we also teach a lot. So, I mean, a lot of actors coming out of schools, either we've had connections with, we've taught through Syracuse or Columbia or NYU or Brooklyn College or the New School or Brown Trinity Rep. I mean, we're connected with all those programs. Like I go down and teach at North Carolina School of the Arts every year. So it's it's a it's a way for us to know these young actors that are coming out. We've had our eye on certain people. So we get really excited when they're when they've graduated, when they're in the marketplace. It's 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 exciting for us to to have those actors come in. You know, when Erica just said about, oh yeah, you know, we're looking at cast lists, I've seen, I've 
had the honor of seeing some shows with both James and Paul. And I, I know whenever you guys sit down at a at, for like a Broadway play, you have that playbill like opened and folded to the cast list. And like, you're, <laughs> I always like, James, you're always like looking down and like whenever someone comes in and, and you know, it's always just like have that, who is that? What's their name? You know, because it's, um, yeah, you're sure. always kind of working, you know, I guess so maybe that may be kind of frustrating sometimes. But, but I, I guess it's, um, it's so funny because I worked for a different casting director before I worked with James and Erica. Um, and we had gone to see a national tour that our office was working on. And uh, we saw the matinee and the evening performance. And it was frankly sort of punishment. And he was, he was <laughs> like, he spent the break, the dinner break, like quizzing me relentlessly about like who's playing what and what roles they covered. And it, it felt like I was studying for the LSAT or the SAT. Like it was kind of joyless in a way. And I, 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 when James talked about like falling in love with actors, I think it's a little bit like that. Like you, 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 you trust your instincts and you trust who sort of like lives on in your mind after you've seen them. And, um, and then what I love about our office being small is that we, we will run point on things, but we are all in each other's business. So Erica led the charge on Hudson Valley. And then I zoomed in for the callbacks and was texting her and I'm like, who's that? And, you know, she's like actors that she brought in who I had never seen before. It's, it's fun to sort of like, you know, collaborate with, with passionate people, I guess. And, um, you know, then sometimes you hit middle age and your memory banks aren't what they were. And we went and saw, was it paradise blue at the signature? And like, um, <laughs> I'm like, who is this actor? He's so great. And then I looked him up and we had cast him, um, previously for Jade Carroll, he did a show for us. And like, I looked up my audition notes and it's like, great. Remember him. <laughs> like, you know, I forgot him a couple of years later, just because like there is a reality of, you know, the, I, I don't know, I can't speak to the science of memory, but it's interesting to be in casting as it's transitioned to sort of like a digital format in terms of how session sheets are kept. It used to be that you would have a three ring binder. And I, I used to like alphabetize, I think James Eric did this too, you would alphabetize the submission letters from agencies and, and put them in the binder. You put the breakdown, you put the sides, you put the session sheets chronologically. And it was this really beautiful Bible of that casting experience that you could reference. And, and I think, you know, like right now, those binders we had our interns last spring scan a lot of those documents and I have been looking at them, but not, I, I miss the tactile. I miss that too. Those, yeah. days are, those days are long gone and I do miss that. One of my earliest jobs was filing pictures at Lincoln Center for Daniel Swee. And I remember writing the name of the actor and the date and filing in this large, large file cabinets. We had thousands of headshots and you know, that doesn't, exist anymore mm -hmm. and there was something about it that was very number one it was just very charming right when you think about it, it seems very nostalgic but also for a young casting director starting out that was how i learned who everybody was yes. I would look at a picture i would flip over the resume mm -hmm. and now everything's on computer mm -hmm. um i do want to just tell a story robbie too like about how you find the actors. One of my very first jobs was for Alexa Fogel when she was head at ABC. And I was an assistant there and we were working on NYPD Blue. And I remember one of my jobs was to type up 
this long list of actors that might be right for a role. And I would go into her office and I would place it on her desk and she would like take out a yellow highlighter and she would take the highlighter out. And I, she'd look at this list and she would just mark just very randomly, like the 12 men that she wanted to see for a role and NYPD blue. And I remember, you know, back in the day, I was like, how does she do that? Like, how does she know what is the secret of bringing the certain actor in for that role? And, and now, you know, my, of course, like many 25 years later, you know, it is an instinct. It is a thing that you, that we all, I think the three of us in your gut, you sort of know how to do that is something that you develop a, a sort of a sixth sense of what is going to be right for any specific role or any specific project. So I don't know if it's a, like a real, it's a, it's something to be explained, but I, I remember being mesmerized by it back then. And it's something we do now all the time. Yeah. I think that's maybe why actors are, or I think, you know, this isn't just for actors, but a lot of people can just be like, Oh, how, you know, how does it, how does it happen? How do those, how are those lists made? You know? And I don't know, that was just a really, a really great example. It's also why people hire you or another casting office, or, you know, it's, it's a creative aesthetic, you know, you're being hired for your creativity and, you know, your creative casting director. So it's, it, it totally makes sense to me. Um, we are unfortunately running out of time and, and it, it's gone by so fast, but I do just want to ask um, one quick question and maybe each of you could answer it. It's, it's how I, it's how I like to finish up some of the episodes, but, and I don't, I don't think the the answer to this needs to be geared towards actors. I think it can be geared towards casting directors, early career directors, you know, early career producers, anyone kind of in this industry, and but also personal for yourselves. But what is something that you wish you knew about the business when you were maybe in your young twenties, or just got out of school, or um, out of grad school, or and maybe less about the creative process. This is a little bit geared towards the business and the industry. And and what is something, and it doesn't even have to be about casting, but what comes into your mind about something you wish you could have understood or comprehended? I think one thing that pops up for me is, um, I th and I'm, I would gear this toward anybody who's looking to pursue a career in casting, um, is that you don't necessarily land in your casting home right away you know you're you you may have to intern you may have to like freelance for a little while before before you find a place where you might really land for a longer period of time um it's not like it, it, sort of like acting it's not a straightforward trajectory necessarily um for everybody and so it's you know i i would say it's not like you go to law school and you become a lawyer, <laughs> you know, you, uh, you have to go through a period of time where you're not making a lot of money. You have to go through periods of time where you're casting something for like very little amounts of money for a while before you build up your resume. Yeah. It's not, again, if you're, it's not like the most stable career. Um, and I don't think that we don't talk about it uh, enough, I don't think um, it's this. It's not necessarily like the most stable career. Again, like as with acting, I think you just really, really have to love it, and you really have to love the people you work with. I always say this: I would not be doing this if I wasn't with Paul and James. Like, there's just no. I worked with other people um, before, and I, 
I, <laughs> it was and it was not pleasant. And so I think uh, landing where I landed, I was really for I think I was really fortunate to find a casting home, so to speak, like a you know a place. Um, as Paul said, working with my friends first and foremost, and James being like the person who is like my mentor, you know, from early on, you know, just is really fortunate to have that experience, but it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so happy you said that, Erica. I actually just got a message from someone today that is a casting intern in Chicago and, and just was like, I am just what really wanting to be a casting director, moved to New York. And I love, you know, listening to the casting director's on your podcast. And, and I think that is such incredible advice and important to remember, you know, certainly it's not that way for actors, but that it's, it's, you know, it's not that way for anyone because you're in a creative field, you know, this is a, a creative business. So thank you for, I think, reminding us all of that. Yeah, sure. For me, I think um, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase a quote that, uh, that Taylor Mack had posted on Facebook and people were sharing a couple of years ago, but it was about, he was, looking back to when he was in college and a guy came to speak to them about the business of acting. And, and it was, the thesis was basically like, just hang out with the people you like, make work with the people you like, don't worry about like who is in the power position and you guys will sort of like evolve together. And, um, and I've, I've experienced that personally for sure. I mean, James, when he was a grad actor at UC Irvine was paying his tuition by teaching the intro acting class to majors and non-majors and was my acting teacher. And I never knew, like we were pen pals before email. I never knew that we would be business partners, cough, cough, these many years later. And so I, I just love that philosophy as opposed to sort of like, who's this exec or who's, who's this person? Let me chase after that as opposed to just like, who do you vibe with? And we were talking relationships earlier and we had a, I won't name names, but we were casting a summer theater company where two directors had to share like a core company of six actors and trying to get two directors to agree on the same actor is challenging. And, and with one director, there was someone that we thought of and we thought this person was like a perfect solution for both. And one director was like head over heels for him, thought we were just like genius for bringing him up. And then the other director had a very strong allergic reaction to the way this actor took the meeting. And I think you just have to remember in this field or any, it's like, you know, like the the relationship's going to work when the relationship's going to work. And if it doesn't, you can't force it. There was like a minute where James, Eric, and I were, were going to write a book sort of talking about um, an acting career sim being similar to like dating and courtship and and like, you know, just the, the certain rules that apply with like, don't be a stalker or don't put out on the first date or, you know, like <laughs> things. And, and I think that you just have to wait for when the chemistry is right and trust that it's going to be right. I mean, for sure. That's huge. I love when you always see like pictures of like, really incredible actors or directors and you see like a really old picture of them that they like went to college together or grew up together and then you're like well they kind of you know the whole like bill finn kind of that whole group of like that all kind of came up together and now have these wild careers but it's because they all were part of that community they hung out with each other exactly what you're saying um and, and i think that happens quite quite frequently so yeah that's huge mine would be i think uh and i think this goes for any actor, casting, whatever, anyone creative is just to have, have a good work-life balance. You know, it's something that we talk about all the time in our office and it is something so important to me. And I, I think starting out, I witnessed 
agents, casting directors, actors that did not have those things. And I, I made a decision very early on of what I wanted my life to look like and how to be happy. And I'm not just creatively happy, but like personally happy. And I think to me, it has um, finding a good balance of those things has allowed us to be in a way, I think creatively freer. Um, I think we're just, we, we tend to be, I, I don't know. I think people would see us as a fairly happy office. And I, and I say that, and that sounds so like twee in a way, in a way, but I, I mean that. And I think like, I think part of our success is that we, we don't take things too seriously. We know what we're doing. We, we, we can put it in perspective and then we can also go on and have our lives and, and figure out how to balance those two things, which has been extremely important to all three of us. And I, I would say to anybody just to have some other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Yeah. And I think if anything, this time, the pandemic has really taught us that, you know, that we have to have something else going on, you know, for us. Um, But yeah, I think you are all a happy office. And that's why grad students in San Diego sit around with (laughs) cocktails and talk about you guys. Listen, thank you so much. I'm so honored. You're um, the three of you are, you know, so good at, at what you do. And I also just enjoy you, all three of you as humans and having you on the podcast. And what we talked about today is exactly what what I'm what I'm trying to do and um, to, to give people like a little bit of a inside peek of, of how it actually works and also getting to know you all a little better because I think sometimes when actors go in and we share work or we're sharing something emotional with someone that we don't know, it can be hard. And I think the more we all kind of get to know that we're all just humans and there's a human on the other side of the table that is there for you and it can help us, you know, relax a little better. And then we all everyone everyone does better work so i really appreciate your time for helping me helping me on my mission and, and doing this so thank you thanks Bobby. thank you no fun to yeah. hang out. we just need three more hours to to keep going <laughs> trust me i know trust me i know and we will we will <laughs> For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Instagram and Facebook at The Breakdown with Robbie. We also have some pretty exciting supplementary content over there like Instagram live catch-ups with some of your favorite podcast guests. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. And don't forget to check out TSMA Consulting. Use offer code BREAKDOWN20 for $20 off any of their growth packages at tsmagrowth.com. All right, listeners, thanks for listening and get ready for another episode of The Breakdown. Ah!